2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 21. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling to the world himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Katie. So appreciate it. Y'all can be seated. One of the joys of being involved in a church and understanding the commitment of being involved in a church for a long period of time with 31 years. I remember in 98, I think, was when we first came to Mansfield Bible Church and, and meeting the, the Gorel family and now to get to see them after all these years and still watch how God works in their lives. I looked out, I saw, I saw the Cochran's here this morning and I can remember way back in the early 2000s and just seeing uh, Joey and, and all and the youth and and also, you know, that's one of the nice things to, to be a part of a body. You begin to grow together, you share Christ together, you share life together in the journey of faith that, that we take. I also happen to notice, and I believe this is correct, I see Tim, yeah. I, I, I walked down and then I came back over here and I go, that was Tim. I should have saw you, man. If you've been praying, uh, just praise God to see you here this morning. Um, man, my face recognition isn't working there good. So I don't know, we may have a message or not on, it just, I'll wing it and then you just never know what's gonna happen then. Um, so there it goes. Um, so anyway, praise God, Tim, good to see you. Good to see you, man. Gosh, praise God. Uh, today, just a couple of things I wanna pray about before we get started is this week, we have a couple things going on. Uh, Buckles is in Tanzania right now. Um, I would say the name of the town, but I'd mess it up, but uh, he's in Tanzania doing a pastor's conference. Uh, they're eight hours ahead, so right now I guess it's about 7.20 p.m. there. I would imagine he right now probably is preaching in a church over there in, in, in Tanzania. Uh, the conference begins tomorrow. Uh, they're anticipating about 3,000 pastors doing breakout sessions and so forth with the different pastors. So our responsibility, what, folks? What's our responsibility? We're to do what? Pray. That's right. Thank you. We're to be praying. So make sure you got him on your, on your phone uh, to remind you to pray, put it on your mirror, how, whatever, whatever you use to remind yourself to pray for someone. So be sure to pray for, for Greg Buckles this week as God is using him in Tanzania. Another thing we need to be praying about this week is this week is our middle school camp. Uh, it begins uh, tomorrow and it'll go out throughout this week. So please add that to your calendar as that we would pray for one another. We would remember one another. Um, sometimes we don't know everybody and what's going on and some of you know and you pray for, you support, you encourage. Because why? Because we're part of the family of God, right? We're the people of God and that's what we're to be doing is encouraging one another 
encouraging us to serve one another, serve God, to serve each other as we seek after God. So let's this week be diligent to pray for these. So let's take time right now and just pray, if you will, with me. Father God, we come before you this morning. And God, we just ask you. We ask you just to speak to us, your people. We ask, Father, this morning that we would be a people that are about our daily lives, walking with you and learning and growing to follow your son, Jesus Christ. Father, we're not perfect. We make mistakes. We fall. But Father, by your grace and by the power of your spirit that works in our lives, we're able to, to seek forgiveness and receive forgiveness. And Father, we walk in the strength and the goodness of Christ. And so, Father, we pray to this week that you would use us, that we would be faithful, Father, not only as we walk each day and we live our lives among our family and our friends and those that we work with, but, Father, that we would live Christ in all that we do and say. Father, just hear our prayers as well for these things that we mentioned. We, we praise you to see Tim this morning, Father, as well. We, we, we praise you for that. We praise you, Father, how you've worked in so many lives and within our congregation this morning and over the last few months. And Lord, you've, you've been faithful and we thank you for that. Father, we pray for buckles in Tanzania. We pray, Father, for safety. We pray for the team that's there, that's teaching your word, that's encouraging national pastors in the, in the work of the ministry, those men. Uh, I got to meet many of them a couple years ago. Father, they have a fire for you and they're just out sharing Jesus with folks. And Father, I pray that um, Father, that you would use this team to encourage them, to strengthen them, to give them tools that they might, Father, continue to do your work as you've planted them. Father, as well, we remember our students because, Father, they are valuable in your eyes. They are important to you, and therefore, God, they are important to us as well. And so, Father, we pray for them. We pray, God, your spirit would be on them this week to, to speak to their hearts, to encourage them in their faith, to strengthen them, Father, that they would they would know of your goodness, of your grace, and of your mercy. Be with the leaders that are with them this week, Father, to, to guide them, to give them Christ, that they, Father, might live Christ among them and show Christ in what they do and what they say. And then, Father, as I always pray, God, just to go past all of my own iniquities, my own sins, my own shortcomings, and God, speak to us today. We're your people, and we need to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are wrapping up a series today. We started a series a few weeks ago in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And so this morning, we actually are going to finish that series. And if you remember, we're calling it Made New. We're talking about our new life in Christ. We're talking about the gospel. Really the simplicity of the reality of the gospel in our life. And some of the things that we've looked at, remember the first week, we, we used this tin as a symbol because this tin is temporary. We have a heavenly home. We need to have an eternal perspective in the way that we go about and conducting our lives because the gospel changed all that. We went from, from a people who were just seeing the physical realm to a people that saw what God is doing spiritually. He gave us new eyes. We walk by faith and not by sight. And we use the symbol of just the glasses to be able to kind of remind ourselves of that. So that we would begin to understand that when we begin to look at our lives and we conduct our lives in the life of the gospel, we're looking at things that are temporal and we're looking at things that are eternal. 
and it influences how we ought to live our lives, right? And so those were the aspects that we looked at that week. Then we looked at the, at the heart. I put that as a symbol. We really realized that we have a new motivation. There's a new motivation in which we conduct our lives, that the, that the love of Christ controls us. And we looked at that aspect of not only constrain, but it also compels us. It has a way in which it protects us in the sense that the love of Christ protects us from the things that would destroy us, but also at the same time, it compels us to do the things in which we seek after God. It isn't that we have a checklist of things that we go through to try to go, okay, now we made God happy. But the reality is that as we are compelled by the love of Christ that has saturated our lives, that now it moves us, it motivates us in how we conduct and how we live our lives. And then today, today we got this butterfly, and that's kind of very natural. You know, you always see that, that symbolism of new life. We have that, probably the most famous verse of this section. But man, dear people of God, if you came in this morning, you came in in a bad mood, kind of a bad attitude, maybe the sinful nature just kind of had its rule, it needs to get ready. Because today we're going to hear about the gospel. We're going to hear about the life-changing aspect of the gospel. And the fact that the gospel comes in and it makes everything new. There's times when I talk about, and you've all heard me make reference how I spent too many years of my Christian life not understanding the joy of the Lord is my strength. And beginning to understand the aspect of God's joy in my life and how that moves me and how that comforts me and how that settles me. Well, this is one of those passages that I go to when I talk about joy because today we're talking about just inexpressible joy. I mean, just the kind of the mind-blowing joy that we should have when we understand the reality of the gospel as it impacts our lives. When the gospel comes into our life, Jesus becomes everything. It's amazing to me how many times in my own life when I really kind of thought I had the grasp of the gospel and then even this week and the last couple of weeks, but specifically this week, where man, the realities of these truths of this, of this gospel in, the, in this passage as, he, as, he, as he's instructed us has just kind of just taken me and kind of just blown my mind out. Like, gosh, God has done some incredible things. It should just kind of send us over the top. There was ever a time where I would be kind of in the aisle rolling around, this would be today, right? Because this is, this is something that should not contain us in our seats. This is something that should reality, the reality of the gospel should move us in such a way and it compels us and it creates such a joy. Praise be to my God. That he has taken me and made me who I am today. And all of my faults and the ugliness of my life and the ugliness of my heart, I pray to God you never get to see the total ugliness of my heart. That God changes us. He makes us new. And the inexpressible joy of that is so, how can we contain it? But why would we? One of the staff this week even made a comment, man, I, I, see, the, I see this passage has kind of been getting to you. And I go, man, it is. I can't, I can't help it. And I pray today that 
as you walked in today with whatever expectations you had in, in coming today to worship, the expectation you came here, I know maybe you walked in, you're wanting this particular sound of the music, uh, you know, or this particular power in the message, or something that connects, or all those things. All I have is Jesus. All I have is the, is, is the gospel as I've, as I've grown in my walk and as I'm learning to try to follow after Jesus, as I continue to, to seek after him, all I have is him. And I know there's going to be always, there's always all different kinds of opinion. We live in a world of different kinds of opinions, right? But man, when you read today's text, as, as, as Katie read it a few minutes ago, that we were once, we were once dead and he has made us new and we are a new creation and the old has passed and the new has come I love that phrase the new has come dear people of God I'm praying today that your hearts are moved like my heart was moved when I went through this passage as I was reminded of the truths and the realities of the gospel in my own life as I realize that my mind is continually being renewed, as I realize my heart is continually being compelled, as I realize that God is still continually doing great things in my life, he's constantly changing me. Maybe the world doesn't look at it as great things, maybe even the church in, the, in, the, in this world doesn't see it as great. But I know the little things that Jesus continues to do and the spirit of God in my life on a daily basis and the way that he continues to shape me and mold me and work in me. Praise be to God. May we praise him. So this morning in our, in our message, if I were to have the big idea for today, it would just be that made new brings incredible joy. Made, made new brings incredible joy. I pray this morning that we understand as we walk out of here the incredible joy of what God has done when he made us new. There's three, there's three words here this morning that we're going to look at. <clears throat> Two of them are found in the text, and one I'm kind of imposing, I guess, on the text. So you put up your red flags if you need to. The three words are uh, regeneration, reconciliation, and righteousness. And you're like, oh, Greg, don't get into all this kind of theology, t technical doctrine. Theology just means the study of God. We do it every week. We make more out of it than we do sometimes. Doctrine just means teaching, right? We're just teaching God's word. But the reality of these three words in our lives are so Im immensely important that I don't know how we can walk with Jesus if we don't understand them. How do we understand the power of God at work in our lives? Look at verses 16 and 17. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him no, thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old passed away, has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That's just absolutely mind-blowing to me. One of the things I begin to realize, and I don't, know, I don't know where this started changing in my walk with God as I begin to seek after him, as I begin to realize, you know, Christians aren't supposed to just be nice people. You realize that? It's not that we are mad people made nice. It's just that we are new people. We've been given new life. We're new in our creation that Christ made us new. It's so important that you understand that you are a created work of God whereby he has made you alive in Christ forever. 
When we talk about regeneration, we're talking and we use the butterfly and it's going from a caterpillar to a butterfly, right? But the reality is we were in a picture where we were dead and now we're made alive. That is completely a different picture. We were once of no hope, now we have hope. We were once a people that it was enslaved to sin. Now we, by Christ, has been set free to live for God. There's a picture here that, that Paul is bringing out that we under, need to understand when we look at what is regeneration. In fact, I thought I started thinking if I walked around and just started walking up and down the aisles going, hey, do you know what regeneration is? And I thought, well, I wonder how many people would really kind of just spit that out. It's really not that tough. I pulled up, I looked at a bunch of definitions. I pulled up the first one. And can you go ahead and throw that up there for me? Do I have someone back there? Oh, sorry. All right. Definition. I pulled this one out of Charles Ryrie. I looked at about five or six. It is the work of God that gives new life to the one who believes. I put spiritual in there because every other definition used the word spiritual. And I really found that really to be the truth that Christ that God, what he did in the work of our lives is that he gives us a new spiritual life. He gives us new life to the one who believes. But when you believed in Christ, you began a new life in Christ. It's, it's, a powerful, it's a powerful perspective. I love, we were here Friday night for The Chosen. And this week was, uh, the, was the, uh, uh, Nicodemus and then the woman at the well. And it was really, really neat. If you haven't seen The Chosen, I continue to encourage you to do that. It's just really some neat perspectives. But the one at Nicodemus in John chapter 3, when he came to Jesus by night, he said these words. If you go ahead and give me that slide. I'll have them here pretty quick. John 3, 3 said, Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So there's a picture in the aspect where we're regenerated. There's a new life. If you are not born again, you're not going to see the kingdom of God. There has to be new life. That regeneration, the imparting of God, whereby God imparts life to the believer and brings about spiritual life. Unless that takes place and they're made new, there is no life. And it's 100% the work of God. It's the power of God that is evolved. It's the power of God that is at work in us. In fact, Titus chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, I believe it is. Give me that slide, please. But when the goodness and the loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, I love this phrase right here. See it? He saved us. It's the work of God in our lives. He saved us, not, not because of the works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whereby he made us alive. He gave us new life. The power of God at work in our life. It's not by my works, but God's works. It's not that I can save myself. I can't save myself. Only by God's grace through faith in Christ. Anyone who's in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. It's the understanding of that reality. You see, the reality is that, that the power of the gospel is not making bad people good people. The power of the gospel is making dead people alive. Now think about that. 
So many times we get it all mixed up, right? Because we evaluate ourselves from the physical perspective. We look at it in the temporal aspect and we start going, oh, that person measures up, that one doesn't. We, we start measuring that. Well, Jesus didn't just come that we all become a particular standard or cookie cutter of what it looks like. Jesus come to take us from a condition of dead to a condition of life. That he would make us alive. That's the power of the gospel. In John, uh, I believe it's Luke chapter 7. You go ahead and put it back to the, to the sermon screen, please. You, if you look in Luke chapter 7, the picture of the widow's son, he's being carried down. He's like basically in the coffin. And the, bear, the pallbearers, the guys carrying the, the body are carrying him down. And, and it, I love this in the scriptures because it says that Jesus looked on the widow and it was her only son. Looks on the widow and he had compassion. And you walk in the chosen, there's times where they just show uh, the actors his face. You just see his eyes starting to weld up from compassion. And I, and I love that, that picture because it demonstrates to me the compassion of our God and the love of our God. But Jesus coming in, there's a great number of people, and he walks over to this dead person, and he tells them to get up. And you know what he does? He gets up. And it says in the scriptures, he gave him, gave him to her, gave him to his mother. Life. I love uh, John chapter 11. You know it well, Lazarus. You know, he'd been dead. Jesus didn't necessarily get in a hurry to get there. He's now been dead four days in, in the tomb, and he's coming into town, and Mar Martha finds out and runs out and meets him. And she says, if you would have been here, my brother would live. Jesus basically says, your brother's, your brother's gonna rise. Well, I know that that'll rise on the day of the resurrection, right? You know what Jesus says to her? Right here in front of you, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. And though you die, you will live if you believe. And so he goes and has him take him to the tomb and there's great weeping, even Jesus weeps. There's great weeping, he has him move the stone and like, no, 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 why? Because he stinks. He has him remove the stone and then what does he do? He says, Lazarus, come out. Come out. And he does. And I believe Jesus did those things that we might know that we live to. That those are demonstrations of the power of the Son of God, that he gives life. And because he can raise them, he can raise us. And here's the beauty of the story. Church, listen. Listen. Lazarus and that little son passed away again. But the life that we receive when he makes us new, we live in eternity. He gives us new life. Hey folks, that's a place for an amen, by the way, just in case you just want to realize, I just make sure we're awake. Um, the reality of the new life that we have in Christ. When God gave us spiritual life, he gave us life and we will not die. The greatest miracle I could ever think of. It parts spiritual life. It gives us life. This is the glory of the gospel. It's the glory of Jesus, that Jesus came and he experienced death, the burial and resurrection, that he might give life. And as that old hymn says, because he lives, we what? What does it say? Come on, folks, you've been with something. What does it say? We, huh? I now, we live, okay? 
Maybe I'm quoting it wrong. Me and music, we don't get along real well sometimes. I know it. But I always think of that, the fact that Jesus lives. We live too, right? This is what it means to be regenerated. If I were to walk around this morning and ask you if you've been regenerated, have you? Have you received Christ into your life? Do you know Jesus? Is your faith placed in him? Not that you walked an aisle, not that you fulfilled some requirement, but do you trust Jesus and the work of Christ and your faith is placed on him for your life? Do you understand, church? Do you understand what it means to be made new? We've been going through this series in chapter five and we've been talking about a lot of doctrine, whether you realize it or not. If you're regenerated or if you're made new, then your home is in heaven. Verse one, we looked at that. If you're regenerated, then the Holy Spirit is in you. And that is your guarantee that God will deliver on his purpose. Verse five, do you remember that? If you're regenerated, then you are no longer, you no longer see the world as the world sees. You see spiritually as God would have you see. Verse seven, if you're regenerated, then that means you bear fruit, verses 9 and 10, because you understand you have one life and you have to give an account for that life, that there is an accounting that will come before Christ. So you make your life count now. You live differently. You, you live for him, not for yourself. If you're regenerated, then you fear the Lord and not others, verse 11. If you're regenerated, the love of Christ controls you, verse 14. If you're regenerated, you no longer live for yourselves, but you live for him. Verse 15, regeneration comes with supernatural change in a supernatural life. You see, physical birth prepares us for the earth. Spiritual birth, the new life that Christ gives us, prepares us for heaven. It prepares us for a life in Christ. We were once spiritually dead, destined for condemnation, but then by the work of Christ who made us alive and the gospel came in and it rejuvenated, it changed, it made new, it made us new in Christ. A new creation. Only God can do that. Only a God that loves us and is moved by mercy can do such a thing. And he's doing it every day around the world. Jesus is building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against us. That is the good news. That is the gospel. You see, before generation, regeneration, we saw in the flesh. We judged in the flesh. We put on values of, of external things. We held ourselves by a worldly standard. And then regeneration comes in and everything changes why? Because we don't live for self anymore. We don't live for the world. We live for Christ. It changes the way that we go about life. It changes the way that we see the things around us. When Christ is everything, when we're made new, now we see Jesus not as a, not as a good teacher or a compassionate person. We don't see him as a worthy mentor. We don't feel qualified to judge him in a worldly standard. Now we see him as the savior of the world. We see him as the Lord of the universe. We see him as our redeemer, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. We see him as the great I am. We see him for who he is. He is everything. That's why it says in verse 17, in Christ, because in Christ, 
Everything is found in Christ. Everything is Christ. Jesus is everything. Because before regeneration, I moved around this world in a lost state. And after regeneration, I've moved in this world as a new creation. In fact, I have a slide up here. I think it's my last one. Uh, here we go. Before generation, I was spiritually dead. After generation, I was spiritually alive. Before generation, I had a heart of stone. I didn't hear the things of God. I didn't listen to the things of God. After regeneration, there was a heart of flesh. Before regeneration, I was a child of wrath. I had judgment. I had, there was condemnation. After regeneration, I was a child of the king. One of God's people. Before regeneration, I was an enemy of God. After regeneration, I'm a friend of God. Before regeneration, I was filthy in sin. Sin contaminated me. After I was washed and I was cleaned, I was regenerated because of what Christ had done. Before regeneration, I was an orphan. I belonged to nobody but sin and death. After regeneration, I was adopted a child of God. Before Godless and self-serving or self-seeking. That was my life. After regeneration, selfless and God-loving. I began to pursue him. Before regeneration, I was separated from God. After regeneration, I was reconciled to God. It's the work of God in regeneration and making us new, bringing us into the family of God. In fact, that word reconciliation is the next word we have. If you will, look at verses 18 through 20. It says, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the ministry or the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God powerful passage when you talk about reconciliation there are really two aspects of reconciliation that is mentioned here go ahead and put it back to the sermon slide please there's two aspects of the reconciliation that are mentioned here the first is the aspect where God whereby God is reconciling us to himself through his son Jesus Christ in other words God initiates reconciliation God's the one who was pursuing us We've, we find God in Christ in the world reconciling People to himself. And the second aspect is that God has then entrusted his people or his children, us, to proclaim this message of reconciliation. It's like God reconciled us and then he told us to go out and, and proclaim that message. It's, it's a beautiful picture. In fact, in verse 18, it just starts out, all of this is from God. It's the idea of not only the regeneration, but also as he moves into the aspect of reconciliation, that all this is from him. We don't save ourselves. We don't reconcile ourselves. It is God who reconciles 100%. It's he who initiated through his son and by the power of the Holy Spirit. So when we talk about what is reconciliation, what do we mean? What are we talking about? Reconciliation is literally the restoration of a broken relationship. It's the exchange of hostilities within a relationship for friendly, peaceful relationship. All of us have been at odds with somebody at some time, right? It's never any fun. And the picture is before reconciliation, that's where we were at with God. 
it says in verse 18, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. Why is it so important to understand that God does the reconciling? That God pursued us? Because we were the ones that offended. We were the ones that sinned. We were the ones that rejected God. We were the ones who sinned and broke off that relationship with God. From the time Adam sinned on, the offense has always been there. And it's just as real today as it was then. That there's this moving away from, this breaking of this relationship with God, that people do not seek him, or people do not pursue him. And our, our sin broke that relationship between us and God. God created harmony, but sin comes in and separates. It separates God and it separates us from one another. And we're to blame. We're the ones that rejected him. So we're the ones who put up the dividing wall of hostility between God and, and man. We're the ones who became enemies of God in Romans 5, the last ones in Ephesians 2. Because we sinned and we rejected God. Every time I, we, talk, we talk about sin, nobody likes to hear that, right? No, we don't like to talk about sin. Our world, the world definitely doesn't. We live in a, in a time where we got to build everybody up, so why not talk about sin? Why would we need to do that? And yet it's so important. The reality is that in order to understand the truth of the gospel and how it brings about new life, we have to understand that our greatest problem is our broken relationship with God created by us through our sin. You see, if we don't understand that, then how can it lead to salvation? If God just simply forgave and just kept forgiving and kept forgiving and there was no change, there was no life, we just kept on sinning, living in, in, the, in the bondage of sin. If we kept living in the bondage of, that it brings in our life and, and just God could just keep on forgiving for all eternity, right? No, there would be no change. But the reality is that we have to understand that we were the ones that broke off the relationship. That reconciliation is needed because we created that. When we're aware of our sin, then we understand the incredible power of the gospel and the grace and the mercy and the love of God that he reached out to us. Look at verse 19. You'll see it. Verse 19. That is in Christ. In Christ, God was, not, was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. There was an issue. It was our trespasses. It was our sins. And God restored the relationship. He reconciled us to himself. Praise God. Praise God. He did not leave us in our iniquity. Praise God. He did not just let us go and let it run its course without him interjecting into humanity and providing through his mercy and his grace redemption that is possible that there might be regeneration, that there might be reconciliation. Notice what he does in verse 18. He says, 
gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19, entrusting to us the ministry or the message of reconciliation. Verse 20, ambassadors of, for Christ. Verse 20 also, make God making his appeal through us, the God of glory left the responsibility of this message to us. From the time in the garden when God made plans, through Abraham when he made his promises, through, through as well Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, through the prophets, King David, Isaiah prophesying of Christ who would come, and Jesus who came. I mean, why do we celebrate the birth of Christ? Why? Because there was the redemption of God. There was the reconciliation. There was the new life. There was the one who was going to bring to us righteousness, a right relationship with God, reconciliation. That's why every year I want to celebrate the birth of Christ because it reminds me of God stepping into our world and calling us to himself that we might know of the mercy and of the love and the grace of our God, reconciling us from that time, and then, and then his resurrection, his death, his burial, and resurrection. Why do we celebrate Resurrection Sunday? Because it reminds us that it's here. The veil was ripped. And now we don't go through somebody else. We go through Jesus into the presence of our God, and we call him our God and our Father, and we find mercy and we find grace. We don't find retribution. We don't find wrath. We find his mercy and his grace. Because of his resurrection, because he lives, we live with him. We live in him. He is our life. Our life is hid in him. And when he will be revealed, we will be revealed with him. To him be the glory, the praise. And he left this message to us. In fact, in verse 20, he calls us ambassadors for Christ. I've always liked that term. When you, when you look at it, that God through his ambassadors, through us. He's making his appeal to all. Through us. In Rome, when you looked at an ambassador, an ambassador had great authority because he, had the, he traveled on the authority of the king. And usually he took a message from the king. And so he traveled with great authority. It was a great honor to be an ambassador in the Roman Empire. And it's the same picture for us that we are ambassadors of Christ. We don't go in our own authority. We go in the authority of Christ. We don't go with our own message. We go with the message of the good news of salvation. We go with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we bear that message. That's why Paul said in Romans, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? It's the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. That's the power of the message of the ambassadors of Jesus Christ. That's our message. We've been given that message to share. We get so entangled with so many different messages as the church that we forget that the simplicity of the gospel is the message that we carry. That God sent his son and that everyone who would believe will be saved. That he will give them reconciliation. He will give them new life. He will regenerate them. He will dress them in his righteousness. He will call them his own. That is our message, dear people of God. Don't get distracted by the world. Don't get distracted by our jobs. Don't get distracted by all the chaos of our lives. Let us not forget we are ambassadors of the king 
of kings and the Lord of lords. And we go in his authority and we go with his message. You see, in the Roman Empire, when the ambassador went, the honor wasn't that the people who he gave the message to accepted the message. The honor was that he got to take the message from the king to the people, regardless if they listened or not. And it's so true for us. We have the honor to carry the message of reconciliation, the good news of salvation. And whether people hear it or not, the honor isn't that they accept it or not accept it. The honor is that we get to represent the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, who sent his son, who loved us enough, who cared about us and deeply cared about us. Dear people of God, we are ambassadors. We're messengers of God. We have been entrusted with this message. And we need to trust God each day as we go out into our workplaces and among our families. You see, this is where the lesson of do we fear others or do we fear God comes in. Because as we fear others less and we fear God more, we have a reverence for him instead of a reverence for our friends. We realize that we can take this message and God can do great things. He can use us in a great way. You see, made new brings incredible joy, doesn't it? Brings incredible joy. Dear people of God, don't sit in your seats and not have your hearts moved by the Spirit of God right now. Don't, don't let your hearts be stoned. Don't let your ears be dull. Let God's Spirit speak to you right now. You are God's people. And you've been regenerated by the, by the Spirit of God. You've been made new. You've been reconciled. But you've also, the third word is righteousness. Look what he says in verse 21, one of my favorite verses in scriptures. For our sake. Remember, we looked at for our sake a while back. The word sake means purpose, God's purpose, ambition. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We became God's purpose in which the reason he sent his son to take on sin, even though he didn't know sin, but he took on sin that in him, that in us, in Christ, might be made or dressed, become the righteousness of God. It's a beautiful picture of the great exchange that takes place in the work of Christ, I know sometimes I hear people say, I can't believe in a God, why, you know, a God that's going to send his, his own self down to die and, and to, to please himself. And I'll go, they don't, they, don't get the, they don't get the message of the scriptures. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say for God's sake he sent his son to become sin, that we might be made in the righteousness. He says, for our sake. This great exchange that takes place whereby we give him our sin, he gives us his righteousness, whereby we are made new, we are made into the righteousness of Christ, that we stand in the presence of a holy God that takes place because of him. And he did it for our sakes. In fact, when I, this morning, if uh, Katia, where you, come on up for a second. I'm going to try to illustrate this. I, I always try to think of ways to try to illustrate something, and sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. So if it works this morning, praise God. If it doesn't, uh, forgiveness is needed, right? Go ahead and take this. I have two shirts here. One, if you go ahead and stand right, right there. One has a cross on it and it represents Christ. It represents his righteousness. And I have another one here that represents sin. It represents our, our problem, our greatest problem, right? 
No matter what I did in my life before I knew Jesus, no matter how hard I tried, I never could kind of get rid of this thing. I mean, I tried to do some good things. I quit trying to get in trouble and make my parents happy. I tried to not do some other things that I knew weren't right. But no matter what, this, this thing kind of stayed with me, right? And we talk about this aspect, and we talked about it in the weeks before, about the penalty of sin and the presence of sin. And whereby Jesus is already, because of what he's done, he's delivered us from the penalty of sin, but I still deal with this presence of sin, right? But the reality is, is that God took his son, the one who knew no sin, and he made him sin. And he did that for our sake, why? So that we would take, get his righteousness, and he takes our sin. It's the great exchange. It doesn't seem fair, does it? But it demonstrates the love of our God and the mercy of our God and the grace of our God that what he did is that he took our sin and he made us in his righteousness. Where I stand today and I call him Abba Father, my God and my Father. I say to you, we are his people. Why can I say that? because of his righteousness, because he has made us new, a new people in Christ Jesus. He has set us free in Christ. In fact, next month, you don't wanna miss out next month, uh, Jared and our youth, our youth student pastor and Matt, our worship pastor and myself, are gonna look at some verses in the book of Galatians and, and the book is, we're calling it freedom. For freedom, Christ has set you free, right? He has set us free to live in Christ. He gave us his righteousness and he took our sin. He took it and he dealt with it once and for all, the great exchange. You see, there's nothing that can happen to you in this world that can change the reality of the gospel in your life. Think about that. Because he made us new. It's an incredible joy through his regeneration, through the reconciliation, and through righteousness, that he's given us righteousness. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Father, to you be the glory. To you be the praise and the honor. Oh God, we thank you that we don't stand in our own righteousness. We are, <laughs> we are, we are foolish, Father. We are foolish with our own sin. I thank you, God, that every day I can... I can walk after you and even in my own foolishness, I recognize your strength that you are constantly changing who I am to be more and more like your son. You've started a work and you are gonna complete it under that day. Father, to you we rest and we trust in that. That Father, we are a people that you've set apart unto yourself by your righteousness and by your grace and your mercy. Let us understand that Father, we are a people made new and as a result of being made new, we are different because we have Jesus. We live for Jesus. Teach us, O oh God, let us not be a people that walk in darkness, but let us be a people that walk in light. Father, let us be ones that, that understand, not quick to judge, not quick to, not to, quit to condemn, for God, that isn't us. That, you haven't given that to us. But we are a people that carry a message, a message of hope a message of faith, a message of love. And that, Father, as we walk after you, may we learn to walk in faith and hope and love.
that we would demonstrate your grace and your mercy, that you made us new. To you, O oh God, be the glory. To you be the praise forever and ever and ever. Amen.